Well, welcome to Knowledge Cast by Ideals, presented by the Ideals Foundation. I'm Jack Williams, the founder of the Ideals Foundation, and we're excited to have you with us uh, and joining us for our first season of our podcast. If you're interested in seeing what guests that uh, we have during our first season, you can go to my personal website, jackwwilliams.com, and hit the podcast button. Well, today, we're joined by an Ideals alumnus, Matt Steen. Matt played football at Gardner-Webb. Uh, he majored in exercise science and currently is a practice administrator with uh, Ortho Carolina. Matt manages three of their orthopedic practices in the Charlotte area. Uh, after Matt graduated from Gardner Webb, he joined NASCAR's Hendrick Motorsports as a strength and conditioning coach and then later became a member of their pit crew. He was a member of six of Jimmy Johnson's seven NASCAR championship teams. Another interesting activity that Matt's involved in is he is a Division I and a Division II football official. So, Matt, it's a, it's a real privilege to uh, reconnect with you, and thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, Matt, tell us just a little bit about what you're doing now in the medical field and how you got into that profession. So I work with Ortho Carolina. Uh, it's an orthopedic group. Uh, we've got over 100 doctors and 100 PAs. So we're one of the biggest orthopedic groups uh, in the Southeast. And uh, because of our size, we are the team physicians for a lot of different colleges, high schools, and even some professional sports teams. So uh, I had an interesting way of getting here. Um, as you mentioned, I was working as a strength and conditioning coach for Hendrick Motorsports and Ortho Carolina was our team physicians. So uh, I had hit my ceiling there for a while and was looking for different ways to use my degree and, and seek out some new challenges professionally. And uh, the doctors there encouraged me to look for some opportunities in healthcare with uh, their organization. And so I was able to trade in the sweats for an administrative job and uh, took advantage of that and have been here for almost five years now. It was kind of some internal networking going on then, huh? Right, for sure. Uh, well, we talked about you playing college football and then you immediately went to work with NASCAR. That's not a normal transition. How did that happen? Well, uh, for part of my degree at Gardner-Webb, we had to have an internship to graduate. And I had been looking for internships with Division I college football programs and just didn't find a lot of luck doing that. Uh, a lot of those positions were filled internally within those schools or like you mentioned with networking from, from other relationships. And um, out of the blue, the head strength and conditioning coach at Hendrick had reached out to one of my professors um, and said he was looking to expand his internship program. So I completed that internship between my junior and senior year, and he and I stayed in touch. And right after graduation, I was able to move into a, a part-time job uh, working with them, which later developed into a full-time job and ended up staying there for 10 years. Well, um, this is a part I want to get into today. You and I have shared this in the past, but uh, I'm anxious for our audience to be able to hear as well. You know, as I mentioned in the intro, and you just said that you, you worked for NASCAR for, for 10 years. And part of that time, you were serving uh, as a member of a pretty famous pit crew. 
tell us about that part of your time at NASCAR. Yeah, so it all started, you know, kind of going back to being a part-time employee to to get some extra money. The guys that were there and involved with the pit crew, um, you know, they said, "Hey, you're you're kind of a big guy. You played football. You know, you you could probably do some of this pit crew activity as well." So, um, I started training and learned how to be a jack man, and began jacking the race cars at that pit practice, and then was able to get in on a few races, and um, you know, it just blossomed into that. Um, it was a great way to stay competitive. Um, after leaving football, you still had that uh, locker room environment with your teammates. You had the travel, um, and then you were out there competing and and trying to win races. So uh, it was a really um, it's unorthodox transition, but when you dive into it at that level, uh, there's a lot of parallels between the two. So um, I had to stop doing the pit crew activity um, after a couple of years because of the uh, the opportunity to use my degree. So once I moved into being a full-time strength conditioning coach, I, I wasn't able to be a coach and a player at the same time. So um, I traded in the pit shoes and uh, just stayed on as a strength conditioning coach with all the pit crews there. Well, you know, I think, most people, you know, if they're NASCAR fanatics, which so many people are, they realize this, but most other people don't. Uh, how much physical training and practice goes into being part of a pit crew? Uh, you probably thought you were still back playing football. Tell us kind of about the workout routine and the practice schedule, if there was such a thing as a typical practice schedule that you had preparing as a pit crew member uh, for an upcoming race. What, what was a typical week or period of time look like? Yeah, what's interesting is that the the model that I walked into, we had we had kind of a serving athletic director. Uh, we had position coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, um, and everyone had come from a football background. So uh, it was very much modeled after, uh, you know, the football routine. So, um, you know, most of the competitions were on Sundays. So. Uh, we set it up that Monday was more of a recovery day. So the athletes would come in, um, do some, you know, we, we did yoga, we did some cardio, some core activities, just kind of a lighter day. Um, and then on Tuesday, the teams would, would come in, they would have morning workouts, uh, would be our higher volume days in the weight room. Um, then they would also go to practice. So the pit crew practice would be structured based off of the potential pit scenarios they would see uh, for the upcoming race weekend. And then after practice was over, they would go into film review meetings. So by Tuesday, the coaches would have all the video broken down from each pit stop over the weekend uh, with uh, time breakdowns for each position on the crew. And they would have the, you know, a formal video review meeting with the coaches and the crew chief. Um, Wednesday, again, weight room and practice Thursday, we would start to taper off, um, lighter load in the weight room, lighter load on the, on the pit practice. Um, and then Friday would be, um, an off day. And then most of the guys were traveling on Saturday. So that's kind of a quick overview snapshot of, of what the standard week would look like. 
Matt, how long would a, you talked about a pit practice. How long would a pit practice last? It would be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, just depending on the volume and, and what all was going into it. Um, you know, it's getting into some NASCAR terms. You would have some, some two tire stops, some four tire stops. And, you know, if you were going to a, a track that was only going to do a few pit stops that, that weekend, for example, a road course race, um, the practice volume wouldn't be as heavy. If you were going to a track where, um, you're going to do a lot of pit stops, then, you know, let's say Indianapolis, then the practice volume would be higher that week. Um, so it would just vary depending on the type of track and the type of situation that, that they were getting prepared for. Well, your analogy really does sound like a, a typical week and, you know, for a college football uh, team. Um, tell me, I'm not uh, as avid as some NASCAR folks. I catch some races, but I don't know each and every race uh, driver and car number and all of that. Uh, but tell me about the different positions. You say every position has a coach. What are the various positions in the pit crew? So you've got the tire changers. So you have two tire changers, front and rear. Then you have tire carriers, front and rear. And then you have a jack man and a gas man. Um, NASCAR has made a lot of changes over the years. And I believe the format they have now is you only have one tire carrier. So they've reduced the number of pit crew members um, in order to, you know, one, uh, level the playing field between the, the higher dollar teams and the lower budget teams. Um, if everyone's using less pit crew members, uh, it makes it a little more of a level playing field uh, because of the difficulty of the stop having less people to, to perform it. Um, and then the other thing is a safety factor. Less pit crew members means less people over the wall at the same time with the cars coming down pit road. So it reduces the, uh, the amount of possibility for air for, uh, injury. Interesting. Um, well, now that you've transitioned from that into the business career, what, what carryover, what did you learn through that NASCAR experience that's helped you, you know, now as an administrator over these, uh, different practices. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not a traditional uh, career path into healthcare, um, but there's a lot of carryover. Um, and I believe this is a carryover from all athletics, not just NASCAR and my experience, but um, you know, you learn how to deal with people, you learn about relationships, um, being an athlete and, and being a coach, <clears throat> you learn, about different leadership styles and how you enjoyed being coached and how you enjoyed being treated and talked to and, uh, and how you didn't enjoy being talked to and treated. And so um, I've tried to apply those into the business setting uh, when I'm working with my staff members and employees um, when it comes to, you know, trying to coach them up on how we may want a certain workflow carried out or when it comes to disciplinary actions that need to take place, um, you know, you're able to, to carry a lot of those experiences from being a player and being a coach in those environments into the business world. Let's uh, switch gears for just a minute. Um, you've now become a college football official. 
uh, I can only imagine that you've probably had some pretty interesting experiences in some of those games. Anything particular uh, stick out that you want to share with us? You know, every, every game is different. Every coach is different. Um, real quick, I'll hit on something else that's got a lot of carryover is football officiating into the business world. Um, there's nothing an angry patient can say to me in the office that I haven't heard from <laughs> coach on the sidelines on a Saturday. Um, so, um, but there's a lot of parallels from the communication standpoint uh, from football officiating into the business world as well. But um, I'll tell you the craziest, the craziest thing I've seen on the football field, we were officiating a division three football game out at Newport News Apprentice, which is a, a division three football school out in Newport News, Virginia. Uh, and it's an apprentice shipbuilding school. And uh, the football field is right by the water. And the winds were, were whirling this Saturday and um, to the point where the pylons wouldn't stay upright. The pylons kept falling over because of the wind was blowing so hard. And we had a quarterback rolling out toward me um, on a bootleg, and um, he tried to, to ditch it last minute once he was outside the tackle box. He tried to get rid of the football and just lofted it high in the air, trying to throw it out of bounds. And the wind was blowing so hard that I saw the ball go kind of over my head, and then within seconds it was back on the football field. <laughs> and – and no one caught it. It ended up hitting the ground. Um, but as an official, I had no idea how the ball ended up back in the field of play. I didn't know if it if it hit the the chains or the box or if a player had batted it back into the field of play. So we had to we had to stop the the action and come together and, and have a quick discussion on how that football ended up back on the football field. That sounds like some of the passes I threw without wind. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I bet uh, being a football official, you uh, you had a number of college coaches take you off their Christmas card list uh, throughout the game. Um, well, I know that you've had a, a strong desire to to help athletes at your alma mater to prepare them for for life after sports, and share what you and and a couple of your teammates are doing to try to help these guys and ladies. Yeah, so. Um... A little over a year ago, uh, some former teammates and I developed a foundation called the Gray Foundation. And um, through that foundation, we've uh, we've raised some money and been able to go back to our alma mater and do some professional development workshops with them um, just to try to prepare them for the next chapter. Uh, we've tried to wrap our arms around those young men and, you know, help them network, give them advice, um, you know, discuss with them, you know, what that next chapter looks like. Um, Cause 99% of them are not going to be playing in the NFL and they need to start thinking about their career path and uh, what those next steps are going to look like. Because, you know, one thing we've told them is their parents and the head coach and the AD, they didn't bring them to that school for them to play, football for you know three and a half years or four years and then not complete their degree and then go back to their hometown and you know flip burgers you know they're there to to get that degree to finish that degree and then utilize the relationships that they've made during that time 
to set them on a different career path and trajectory. So, um, you know, that's, that's been the work we've done with the alumni. We've also done some other work in our local communities. Um, but as it pertains to our alma mater, that's been, that's been the work that we've done with them. Well, I applaud your efforts and, and your commitment to it. And it's a great need. And I'm sure that um, these folks are, are seeing the value of the insight that you're sharing with them. Well, Matt, listen, uh, thank you for, for opening our eyes to the to life in the pits, I guess, and for, for sharing your experience, both in NASCAR and college officiating and work. And I listen, I just want to wish you continued success in your healthcare career and your athlete uh, mentoring program. And the only closing advice I would give you as an official, make sure you stay out of the way of those big guys. So <laughs> thanks for being with us again today. All right. Well, thank you, Jack. And, and I appreciate your, your friendship and mentorship over the years. Um, the Ideals Leadership School and that program um, have made a lasting impact on me and, uh, and other alumni that I've kept in touch with over the years. So thank well, you. I, pre I appreciate you saying that. Well, I hope uh, you enjoyed today's time together uh, with Matt, and uh, we'll encourage others to join us on our next podcast. Until then, I hope you'll make it your goal to be a positive influence in the lives of others.